If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to open it up to the book of 1 Corinthians, one of the bigger books in the New Testament after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the big book of Acts, the big book of Romans, then we find 1 Corinthians. We're starting a new series today that will take us through the entire book, Lord willing, and uh, I've entitled it Avoiding the Trap of DIY Spirituality. And if you don't know, the initials DIY stand for Do It Yourself. Do It Yourself. And Do It Yourselfism is very big in our culture, very popular. Just curious, show of hands, how many of you have ever done a DIY project of some kind? Yeah, see? And some of you are just diehard DIY. You would never even consider letting someone else do it. Um, you're just going to do it. Uh, for many of us, though, the way DIY happens is, is kind of like this. You have some project that you want done, and so you look for a qualified expert who will come and give you a bid on, on what they'll charge to do it for you. <laughs> and you get the bid, and you look at it, and you think to yourself, no, there's just no way. It should cost this much. I am not paying somebody this much to do that. I'm going to do it myself. And so you, you begin looking for alternatives, and lo and behold, you find exactly what you're looking for on YouTube. <laughs> a a do-it-yourself video. And, and you watch it, and it's so easy. I can't believe I was thinking of paying somebody to do this. And, and there are all kinds of things, you know, that, that people choose to do for themselves rather than rely on someone else. Home improvement projects, car repairs, home decorating, haircuts, <laughs> extravagant cakes for weddings or whatever. And, you know, if you have the skills... And if you have the time, by the way, I should just insert here, uh, there's a basic law of estimating time for a project. It goes like this. Take your best guess how long it's going to take, then double it, and then go to the next increment of time. So two hours is really four days, just <laughs> so you know. A true story. It's, it's been proven again and again. Uh, but, you know, you, you, uh, if you have the skills, DIY is a great way to go. But <laughs> you may have experienced this. Sometimes you get yourself into a DIY project, and it's only after you've begun that you realized that YouTube video made it look way easier than it really is. And sometimes that outrageous bid suddenly starts looking a whole lot more reasonable. You know, some things... Some things just don't qualify for DIY. Brain surgery comes to mind. <laughs> Actually, any kind of surgery, really. But there's something else. There, there is something huge that does not qualify for DIY. And uh, that is when it comes to the spiritual dimension of life. When it comes to God, when it comes to knowing God, when it comes to being rightly related to God, when it comes to living life the way God wants you to, DIY is absolutely not 
the way to go. And scripture uh, makes this point over and over again. Classic passage, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord, trust in Yahweh, trust in the one true God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Leaning on your own understanding is DIY. According to the one who made you, the one who knows you better than anyone, the one who loves you more than anyone, who always knows what's best for you and always wants what's best for you, leaning on your own understanding is a big mistake. Don't do it. Don't do it. Instead, rely on your creator. Rely on your God. Rely on your Savior. Rely on your Father in heaven. The Bible teaches this lesson again and again in so many ways, and that really ought to tell us something. You know, when Scripture keeps repeating itself over and over again, it means at least two things. It means that the lesson is really important, and it means that we are really slow learners. Because do-it-yourself spirituality is a trap that people fall into all the time. All the time. Even people like you. People like me. I think it's a safe assumption that most of you who are here, you probably already believe in the God of the Bible, or you wouldn't be here. Um, now, if you don't yet believe, I want you to know I'm really glad you're here, and I hope you're feeling welcome. I mean, I, I love it that you're, you're willing to come and listen and check things out. That's great. But I, I think probably most people here, you've put your trust in Jesus Christ. You, you want to live life the way he wants you to, and you, you believe that knowing the Bible is critical to living that kind of life. Awesome. Fantastic. That's, that's so good. But do you know, do you know that one of the biggest obstacles to living that kind of life is the trap of do-it-yourself spirituality. And that you're going to encounter that hazard again and again and again in life. The church in Corinth, to whom this book, this letter was originally written, was a, was a group of believers in Jesus just a lot like us. They really were. And, uh, and yet they had gotten off track with God, I mean, big time. You, you, we're going to see it again and again. Um, you say, well, how do you know they got off track? Well, because of what's in the book. I mean, you, you'll see it. Um, Paul had gone to the city of Corinth, it's in Greece, uh, and done what, he, what, what Jesus had commanded him to do, uh, he gone to town after town, city after city, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And in Corinth, there were people who he led to Christ, to faith in Jesus. And uh, 
He had helped them establish a church. You know, he loved them. They loved him. They all loved Jesus. Things were good. Things were good in Corinth. And then he went on his different ministry there and uh, to other parts of the world. And, and a couple years later, he, he heard reports about Corinth, the church in Corinth, and things were not good at all. And so he wrote this letter to deal with the problems that they had. And I want to just give you a quick overview of the problems they were having, okay? They were fighting among themselves. They were squabbling, they were disunified, mainly over the issue of which spiritual leader is the best. They were tolerating and even celebrating sexual activity that was outside of God's good design. They were taking one another to court to settle their conflicts with each other. They were breaking up marriages. I'm not making this up. They were breaking up marriages, telling wives to refuse their husbands, and telling husbands that if they, they couldn't deny their sexual desires, well, they should just go find a prostitute. They were blurring distinctions between men and women, trying to eliminate all gender differences. They were going with their neighbors to pagan worship celebrations, celebrating in the name of freedom, name of tolerance. They were mistreating and humiliating the poor. They were misusing their spiritual gifts and promoting chaos in their worship gatherings. They were devaluing the human body, saying only the spirit matters. They were devaluing the body and even denying that there will be a future resurrection of our bodies. And they were doing all of this in the name of Jesus. Based on their new and improved understanding of how to be truly spiritual. Now, you might wonder how a group of Christians, professing Christians, could possibly get so confused about so many things. Well, it turns out that all these different problems, which may not seem all that related to each other, they're all actually symptoms of the root problem. The root problem, and that's what I'm calling do-it-yourself spirituality. And as a way of just kind of introducing the series, setting the table, what I want to do is ask a question in three different ways, three different senses of, this, of the question, why DIY? Why DIY? And the first sense that I want to ask it is, why use that label for this series? Why is that a, a good or appropriate label for the book of 1 Corinthians? Do-it-yourself spirituality. Why did I choose that? Well, believe it or not, I'm not trying just to be clever or cute um, or catchy, although if it is, hey, good. Um, 
It's just a label to try to help us understand what, what this book is all about, what the main issue is. And if it helps you, great. Obviously, it's not in the book. You're not going to find that, those words in the book. So if you prefer something else, you know, like uh, calling it self-reliance or pride or arrogance or foolishness, you know, feel free. But I do think that's the big issue. Now, why do I think that? Well, I'm going to point things out along the way as we go, but you can actually begin to get a feel for it right here in the opening verses of this letter of Paul by paying attention to what he emphasizes. So what I want to do is read it right now. You follow along. Chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, the first nine verses, and see if you can discern where the emphasis is. Okay, here we go. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, it's one of his co-workers, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified, that word means set apart, made special, to those set apart in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end. He will, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Referring to that day when Jesus returns, the day of judgment. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. Did you notice the strong emphasis here on God? And all that God has done for them, all that God is doing for them, all that God will do for them in Jesus. It says God chose them. That's what sanctified them means. Set them apart. God chose them and he called them into relationship, into fellowship with his son. God gave them a new identity. He called them to be holy. That is, he called them to be his. And then God joined them to his people. To those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God equipped them. God gave them gifts so that they could do his will. And then God changed their destiny so that on the day when Jesus returns, on that day of judgment, they're going to be blameless. They are going to be without guilt. They're going to be without shame. And God did all of these things as a free gift. That's what grace means. 
It's grace. God did this. They didn't deserve it. They didn't earn it. They didn't achieve it. God did it. In other words, to summarize it, their knowledge of God and His will, their connection to God, their ability to live for God, and their amazing future with God, all of it was brought about by God in the person, through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. Their knowledge of God, their connection to God, their ability to live for God, and their amazing future with God, all of it was brought about by God through the person and work of Jesus. Through His grace given them in Jesus Christ. Verse 4. Or let me say it another way. Their spirituality, their incredibly good spiritual situation, their standing, that's all the result of what Jesus did for them, not the result of what they did for themselves. And you know something? If you're a believer in Jesus today, if you're a believer in Christ today, the same is true of you. The same is true of you. God chose you. God gave you a new identity. God joined you to his people. God gifted you to serve him. God changed your destiny from eternal sorrow to eternal joy, and God did all of it as a gift of his grace to you in Christ. Everything we have and everything we need to live in right relationship with God the way he wants us to, everything comes from him and in Jesus. I'll say that again. Everything we have, everything we need to live in right relationship with God the way he wants us to, okay, true spirituality comes from him in Christ. That's why true spirituality is not DIY. It's not do-it-yourself. It's actually J-D-I. Jesus does it for you, in you, and through you. It's not DIY, it's JDI. It's not do it yourself, it's Jesus does it in you, for you, through you. Now, let me make an important clarification. When I say Jesus does it for you and in you and through you, I do not mean that you're just a passive spectator. You're just a passive, disconnected, oh, that's interesting, observer. No. You are to be an active, active participant. Okay? Notice, when Paul describes the Corinthians here, he says, they call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, calling on his name is, is active. Paul is going to repeatedly challenge him, them throughout the book 
to embrace their new identity and to live out that new identity. Well, that's active. It's clear that they're exercising the gifts, the spiritual gifts God, that Jesus gave them. Now, they're abusing some of them, but they're exercising them, and that's active. It says that God has called them into fellowship, into relationship with Christ. Okay, well, think about any relationship you have. If it's healthy, you have to actively participate, right? There's no such thing as a healthy relationship in which one person is completely, utterly passive, And that relationship is described as fellowship with the Lord, Jesus Christ. Well, what's it mean that Jesus is Lord? What's that mean? It means, who gives the directions? He does. What do we do? Follow his directions. Follow his leading. That's what it means that he's Lord. And following his directions is active. It's active. Say, okay, well, now I'm confused. You said it wasn't DIY, it's not do-it-yourself, but now you're saying it's active participation. What, in what Jesus does in us and for us and through us, what's the difference? It's confusing. Well, here's the crucial distinction. Our active involvement is active dependence. Dependence. That's the key. Actively depending on Jesus to do it for us and in us and through us rather than depending on ourselves, our resources. Jesus has all kinds of things he wants us to do actively. You know, the saying Jesus does it doesn't mean we, you know, we sit around and watch. It's not a football game of one and all of the spectators are watching. No. He's got all kinds of things he wants us to do, but we don't do them by ourselves. We don't do them relying on our resources, on our wisdom, our understanding, our power. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. It's like when a four-year-old helps dad wash the car. Helps. Okay? Dad provides everything. Obviously the car, but the bucket, the hose, the soap, the brushes, the rags. Dad provides everything. Dad gives the directions. Dad shows the kid what to do. And whenever a little strength is needed, who provides it? Dad. Dad's right there providing the strength that's needed. And when it's all done, (laughs) the kid goes running to mom and says, Mom, I washed the car. (laughs) Well, yes. Yes, you did. But you didn't do it by yourself. You participated. You worked. You were actively involved. But the crucial work, the decisive work, was done by another who loves you, who empowered you, who wanted you to experience what you could accomplish by relying on him. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when kids willingly 
and joyfully rely on dad or mom. It's a beautiful thing. The relationship is enjoyed and good things are accomplished. They really are. But if the kid doesn't rely on dad, imagine a four-year-old going full-on DIY with a car, a set of keys, and a hose. (laughs) Imagine the damage. That's a pretty good analogy of what the Corinthians were doing. They were like four-year-olds going full DIY. Instead of relying on Jesus and his gospel, his teaching, his directions, they were relying on their own understanding. They had become very impressed with ideas and practices from their culture, Greek philosophy. And they were trying to blend that human wisdom with God's word in order to achieve a greater spirituality, a higher understanding, greater enlightenment, you know? When you try to improve God's word, you always end up leaving it behind. You wind up with a DIY spirituality that never works. And that brings me to the second sense of this question, why DIY? (laughs) Why would anybody do that? Why would anyone go DIY? Why? 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 Why would anyone choose DIY over JDI? Why would anybody lean on their own understanding instead of trusting the Lord with all their heart? (laughs) Well, I suppose we could just ask it another way. Why would anybody ever sin? Because you realize when we sin, that's what we do every time. We choose to lean on our own understanding instead of trusting the Lord with all our heart. That's what we do. And there's probably a lot of ways you could answer that question of why we do that. But at the very deepest level, I think this is the answer. We go DIY when we trust our own understanding to be in our best interests more than we trust God's understanding to be in our best interests. We trust our way to bring us happiness better than we trust his way to bring us happiness. We trust in our heart, our mind, more than we trust in his. And that's the problem Paul is writing to overcome. That's why he is starting this letter the way he does. He's saying, in effect, look, Corinthians, look at all that God has done for you in Christ. Look at all the ways he's been good to you, even though you don't deserve any of it. Look at how much he has had mercy on you and been gracious to you and how much he's given you. You realize everything you know about him, everything you know about life's true meaning and purpose, everything has been revealed to you by God. You never could have figured it out on your own. So why are you now trying to figure out a better way through your wisdom, your understanding, your accomplishments? Now, I'm giving you more than in the first nine verses, but that's the big issue in this letter. And and this this is what I really, really, really want you to understand. When we talk about the difference between 
DIY, leaning on your own understanding, and JDI, Jesus does it for you and in you and through you, trusting in him with all your heart. When I talk about the difference, this is not simply a matter of right versus wrong. Okay, we often talk that way as Christians when we talk about all the different issues where we have to make decisions. We talk about we got to do what's right, not do what's wrong. Right versus wrong. Right versus wrong. And we often end up missing the point. It's so much bigger than right versus wrong. It's beautiful versus broken. It's healthy versus toxic. It's beneficial versus harmful. It's life-giving versus life-destroying. You pick any issue, whether we're talking about relationships, sexuality, gender identity, handling conflicts, having a good marriage, DIY is not simply wrong. It is completely contrary to the good that God wants to bring about in your life. And that brings me to the last sense of why DIY. Why do this study? Why study 1 Corinthians? The Bible's a big book. We, we could look at a lot of stuff. Well, one of the reasons is because of how similar our culture has become to the culture in which the Church of Corinth was located. When I listed all those different issues, the different problems the Corinthians were dealing with, did you happen to notice that they're pretty similar to the issues we're facing? And if you, if, so if you have questions about any of those issues, this book has answers. But there's an even deeper issue here. Do you know what it is our culture values above everything else? I mean, I guess this is my opinion, but I'm, you, you get to hear it. <laughs> what is it our culture? It would be really fun just to have a discussion. I don't have time. Um, what is it our culture values above everything else? Here it is. Here's the fancy word for it. Ready? Autonomy. That's a fancy word which means self-rule. Self-definition. Self-direction. You, you think about it, okay? Think about what our culture says in movies, in songs, television shows, kids programming. Okay, what do you do when you don't know what to do? You need to make a choice. What should you do? You've got different voices telling you what to do. They're telling you one thing, but oh, your heart is telling you something else. What should you do? You should follow your heart. You should be true to yourself. In other words, in all the big issues of life, all the big questions, all the big decisions, you decide. You define. You determine. In our culture, life is ultimately all DIY, and DIY is always good. 
That is not the message of Jesus. His message is very different. According to Jesus, true life is not self-directed. It is not self-defined. It is God-directed. It is God-defined. And when his directions are different from ours, if we want life, if we want joy, if we want peace, if we want what is good, we will choose to trust in him with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. It's not about following your heart. It's about following his. That's what this book is about. And that's a lesson we desperately, desperately need to learn. I guarantee you, as we go through this, there are going to be parts of this book that really bother you. I know, because there are parts of this book that really bother me. But you know what? That's a good thing. Because we need to discover at what points we aren't actually trusting the Lord with all our heart, and we are instead leaning on our own understanding. And we need God's help. We need God's help to turn us away from DIY spirituality wherever we find it. So, that's where we're going. Hope you join me on the journey. Let's pray. Gracious, glorious God and Father, thank you for having mercy on us. Thank you for giving us your truth. Lord, you've given us an amazing, so many amazing gifts. You've revealed yourself in your word and in your word incarnate in the Lord Jesus. Help us listen and learn Trust in you with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.